Uh, I think shorts work well with with interviews when you have a lot of content. So um, if you want to, if if the guest or the host like drops a knowledge bomb that's quick and easy, sometimes that can work uh, real quick as, as pulling it out. But if you're pulling from straight tutorials, it's tough because scripts, they're rarely written so that it'll fit nicely as a simple cut in a short. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO. So I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Sam O, VP of Marketing at Ahrefs, an industry-leading SEO software provider. She has grown Ahrefs' YouTube channel to one of the largest in their industry, leading to over 15, uh, 17 million views and tens of thousands of new users. Prior to his work at Ahrefs, Sam co-led a successful digital marketing agency and had three SEO-driven businesses acquired. It's great to have you here because, you know, Ahrefs is also the sponsor of our podcast. So I think it's it's good to have someone from the Ahrefs team uh, here with us. Sam, welcome. Thanks for having me. So even though I said a couple of things about, you know, your background, uh, can you you know, share a few things about your journey and what has brought you to, to Ahrefs. And I would also like to know specifically about the, the, the businesses acquired uh, that were SEO driven. What kind of businesses, you know, uh, they were and how did you manage to, to get them acquired? Sure. So I started, I think back in 2008 or 2009, and uh, it was pretty much a fresh grad uh, out of college. And, uh, and I figured if I was going to do something stupid and, and fail, I'm going to do it now while I'm young before I have any liabilities or anything like that. And so I started an e-commerce, a service-based e-commerce site. And uh, yeah, like long story short, SEO is what fueled that business. And it was for a young young 20-year-old something. Uh, I was making a very healthy income and I was on top of the world. Um, and then I had that company acquired after I, I got hit by Penguin. So I, I lost quite a bit of valuation. Um, but regardless, that's I got acquired and uh, I went into semi-retirement for like eight months. <laughs> and then I started to try different things. So outside of e-commerce, I, I went into uh, 
Uh, I got into niche sites. Uh, I had one of those acquired or one that is worth mentioning acquired. Um, I built Amazon and eBay businesses uh, just to see that at that time, everyone was going crazy about marketplaces. And so I wanted to see, is there any validity to this? So I started off, I think with like a $20,000 budget or something like that. And I started buying pallets of like return goods from big merchandise stores like Best Buy and Amazon and Walmart. And then I started to refurbish them. So I bought, a, I rented a warehouse, started a refurbishing center, and then I started selling at these places. Uh, continued to build out different sites. So I got a lot of exposure to different types of sites. And then that naturally led to an agency. And that did pretty well. And I guess by this time, I think at that time of the agency, I was on child number two. And I realized that I just don't want to live this lifestyle of just like hustle, 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 um, where I'm working like 16 hour days. Anyone can call me at any time and I have to put out fires. And so um, I try to get Ahrefs as a client. And so I applied for a, for a job um, with the intent to be like, hey, it's going to be better if we actually work as like a contractual freelance basis kind of thing. And then in the end, they ended up turning me into an employee. Uh, I realized that, you know, a quote unquote nine to five job is is not what people made it sound like. And, and I gave up that own personal journey of of uh, running my own businesses. And, uh, and yeah, I've been very happy at Ahrefs since. For people who have never heard of Ahrefs before, even though I assume that, you know, if someone listens to the, this podcast, most likely they, they have heard of Ahrefs and I guess they would also have an account, but you know, what Ahrefs is, who is the typical user and who gets the most value? Yeah. So, uh, Ahrefs is a software service provider of SEO and digital marketing tools. And in terms of like who our customers are, it like, I hate saying it, but it's, yeah, like everyone from, you know, your large enterprise, like your Adobe's and your Facebook's all the way down to your mom and pop shops down the road. Um, and basically anyone who can benefit from gaining visibility in search is going to get value from Ahrefs. It's, I, like it sounds so bad coming from a guy who works there, but it's just like I feel like it's an indispensable tool. I felt that way before I joined. Uh, I was a paying customer for many years before, and uh, and yeah. So I, basically, anyone who can gain visibility in or who wants to gain visibility in search is going to benefit from our tools. When this relationship with AHO started, was it on the basis of video creation, or you know, video was one of the things that you did for them? Yeah. So originally I have the, the job that I applied for. So for context, the reason why I applied for a job is because the intent of somebody posting a job is to hire someone. Right. And the agency, like as an agency, essentially you just want to, uh, get a client. And so if they're going to hire someone. Why not just hire a client? You're going to show them exactly why it's cheaper, why it's better and blah, 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 blah. Um, so getting back to that, to that thought. So uh, I applied for a funnel hacker position. So that was basically like mostly related to lead generation uh, and things like that. And so I was doing quite a lot of that work. And Tim and I, we had conversations for like eight months, which was like a crazy long process. And uh, eventually he decided that they don't want to hire for that position. But then they saw some videos that I had created before. And he's like, yeah, you know, I think it'd be cool if you could make some like educational video content. We talked for like another few months and then eventually we agreed and that's kind of how it started was was with the intent to just create videos and then over time that just evolved into more. You pressed the publish button on AHO's YouTube channel for the first time over five years ago. 
what were the biggest learnings and realizations regarding what works in marketing from these five years at Ahrefs? Yeah, so I think um, there's two things that I learned specifically from from leading uh, Ahrefs YouTube channel. First is uh, product-led content marketing. Um, I think it's actually the easiest way to do marketing. So content basically, so product-led content marketing is basically just content that helps people solve a problem with the use of your product. And I think it's extremely underrated because like I said before, I was an Ahrefs customer for three years. And so when I started creating these tutorials on like how to do keyword research, like I was literally just sharing what I was already doing uh, with the tool. And so that goes to show you that A, you need to believe in your product. It has to actually be good. And if you do and you actually use it in your regular day-to-day processes or whatever it is that you're, whatever it is that you do that you're selling to to your target audience, then it is like the most underrated marketing tactic. It's so simple and it's so impactful that it just works really well. Uh, second thing is probably authenticity. And I think we all know that and we hear it a lot is that like authentic marketing, be genuine, whatever. But like truly when I say that throughout the videos, I've never had felt like I had to sell anything to anyone. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I think it really just goes to show you that like if you truly like from the depths of your soul, truly believe in your product, like I felt like I would be doing a disservice by recommending a different route without using Ahrefs because that's not the way that I would have done it. It's like I'm lying so that I can get ahead. And so being authentic and just being like, hey, this is what I would do. Like you use Site Explorer, you enter your domain here, you go to top pages and you set this filter and this filter and you get this really cool result and it works pretty consistently across various niches. Um, And I feel like just authentically saying that people see it and, you know, rarely do we get messages where it's like, you're just trying to sell us your product. Uh, And there's always going to be those people, but yeah. And so I think authentic marketing, product like content marketing are, are two big things that I've learned. Uh, over the past five years. To to the first point though, product-led content marketing, do you feel that, I mean, what Ahrefs is doing both on YouTube and on, you know, your blog, is it kind of a strategy that other companies can replicate? Uh, What I mean by that is, the reason why I'm asking this question is because like very often companies come to us or even clients, let's do it like Ahrefs, right? Do you think that this can be applied in every company? And if we talk about, like in the context of SaaS, for example, can it be applied in every SaaS company out there? In in SaaS, I think yes. In certain service-based businesses, maybe not. Um, but I'll give you an example of both. So service-based business, uh, recently I moved from Canada to the US and naturally I need to get an immigration lawyer because I'm not going to do it myself. Um, and... So I'm looking through all these resources. I'm not familiar with all the legal jargon. And sure enough, in Google SERP, I come across uh, a YouTube video. And I click the video and I watch it because it's like exactly titled to what I was looking for. And the guy just explains it so well. And finally, I'm like, oh man, after like reading for like days and weeks, I finally get it. And I binge this guy's content. He creates a whole series of like 12 videos. I spent like an hour and a half watching all of the stuff, taking notes and everything. So now I know what to do. And now I know what to look for in an immigration lawyer. And um, he is one of the first people that I considered hiring until I saw his reviews and stuff. But that was, you know, a separate, separate issue there, right? Like had he had 
you know, positive reviews and everything that I would have just gone straight to him, take my money and, and like fill out all the paperwork. But that is an example of service-based, right? Is that an immigration lawyer is not necessarily uh, tied down to one specific locale. They might be for one country, but even still, uh, a lot of immigration lawyers are able to do it for multiple countries. For SaaS, I feel like anyone can. Like with software, you create software to solve problems, right? Um, and they, there's some kind of functionality to it. So what problems are you actually serving with that software? Um, if you have a specific example, like I, I'm happy to try and think of some some ideas for video, but like- any For example, so CRM, top of mind, you know, C CRM okay. software. Yeah, so like any sales related content, uh, anything really, like even with, um, with outreach-based content, right? Uh, prospecting, basically anything that you would use that tool for, where it's an indispensable, uh, where your tool is indispensable to actually successfully doing something, um, then I feel like it's it's a possible topic for product-like content marketing. Because, yeah, like I feel like, for example, like in SEO, like how to do keyword research, you need a keyword research tool. like. Why wouldn't I mention our, our keyword research tool? Like it would be weird if I didn't. And it's the same thing with the CRM. Like I, I don't know that industry well enough to to give very specific examples. Um, but even case studies, they tend to work really well. Uh, yeah, there's just there's a lot of with SaaS. I feel like every SaaS company can be doing product like content marketing if they believe in their product. Let me ask, why do you think is that SaaS B2B SaaS companies are not doing so, especially on the YouTube side of things, right? Because the blog is something that many companies are like handling very well. But on YouTube, you will not see many cases like AHRs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I can only guess here um, and from previous conversations that I have. So I think number one is a lot of people just don't know how and like they don't realize like a lot of people just go and they just uh, republish whatever it is like they'll get a blog post and they'll literally just like read the blog post out loud put it up on YouTube and they're like oh it didn't work well that's not exactly how YouTube works it's not just about like the like I can't even call it repurposing repurposing is different you repurpose for the platform you repurpose for the people you don't repurpose by doing what's convenient for you and I feel like that's often missed out. Another thing is that I find that talent, finding talent with expertise in your niche is much harder than finding writers, right? There's a lot of freelance writers out there. A lot of people are willing to do that kind of work, but not many people want to get in front of a camera, expose themselves, like literally, like, like you said, you said in the beginning that you had watched uh, a lot of my videos. I had no clue. There's no way for me to know, right? Is that you're exposed. Like, it's just you. And for us, we have millions of people every single year who have seen who I am, have heard my voice, may have disagreed with me, can hide behind any avatar and say whatever they want to me. Uh, and a lot of people fear that because they, like, for obvious reasons, right? Uh, and so I think that is is a big reason Um why that happens. But yeah, going back to the the idea of, of um, you know, creating a video and not having immediate success with it. For some reason with video, it hits harder, I find. Like you write a blog post that doesn't work. You're like, okay, I'll try again. With video, oftentimes people just give up too early and they just like, they make a video, 
They put all their heart and effort into it and they think that it's amazing and it just doesn't work. But the thing is, videos, like, consistency is important for videos. And it kind of reminds me of golf. I don't know if you play golf, uh, but it's a, like a lot of things in games. It, it's like, you'll go through a stretch of like five bad holes and like you're just not hitting the shots that you want to hit and you're ready to give up. And then all of a sudden, the next hole, you hit like an amazing shot. You hit another shot that's like two inches from the hole. You get a birdie and you feel like you've figured something out. And you're like, yeah, I'm ready to, to play this game. I'm ready to conquer the world. And then you have a bad hole again uh, after that. But then because of that newfound motivation, you're willing to keep trying. And it's like the same thing for videos. You'll have some bad videos. And then you'll have that one good video where it's like, you know, you're normally, let's say you're normally getting like 67 views to your videos. And then all of a sudden you have a video that gets 25,000 views. And you're just like, man, I have figured this out. And then you try again, you're back to like 72 views. And you're like, oh, well, that's better than 67. You have this motivation again to go through it. And I feel like if people just didn't give up so easily and they just kind of gamified like creating videos, then it becomes it seems like it becomes like conquerable and for us yeah it, it took a while for us to actually get real traction to our videos uh and even now like you don't always get I, like my videos don't always turn out well sometimes the ones that i think will be the best end up being the worst and so it's tough to predict but yeah i feel like you just have to keep going for the people that tried and gave up and try a different route if it if it didn't work do you think that uh going back to to your point which i think is very valid as per my understanding, content creation, at least most content like formats that we do for, you know, for the blog are semi or like commoditized at, at this point, while video is not. But do you think that video is something that companies can outsource or is it something that you need to like, you know, uh, create a studio and you can start small, but you have to produce it in-house? Yeah, so I think anything is outsourceable, but it's uh, certain things that actually you 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 lose quality. Sometimes you gain quality. In the case of video, um, it's hard for me to imagine outsourcing video, like completely outsourcing video to a third party or to an agency of some sort, and to be able to get the the love and care that at least I would personally want to put into those videos. So I do think that it is better done in house. But it really only works if you have like, I think if I'm like, think, I'm thinking about people that I know that are, that have done well in video uh, and every single person is just like, they're relentless. Like they just don't give up and they just want to figure out ways to improve if something like they, they thrive off of failure. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like if you have a strong leader within your company to be able to do that then you it's better to have it in-house if you literally want to pass it off as a third party like i don't really care if it succeeds i just feel like we need to be doing this sure outsource it but yeah i, I don't think that's necessarily the best route for for uh one one issue here though is that okay with with content creation let's say you, you get a blog post right which is like very important right um and you can get like traffic from it and generate leads or demo requests or whatever the offering may be but and of course like you can in most cases what happens is that agencies and freelancers they ghostwrite or 
what I'm saying is that with video, like you, you can't do that. Like you can't outsource it end to end, right? As per my understanding, at least. You can. Like I, I know a company that does it. I just, I feel like you would not get the results that you would want. Like I, I personally would never outsource fully video, like from the from the ideation to the scripting to the recording to the editing to the like. You just can't do it at the level that you would want to. Just unless you don't care that much about the way that it turns out. I'm not saying it'll be bad. I'm just saying like, if you just don't really care about, like you just trust, like, oh, they'll take care of it. Yeah. Maybe in some cases, I, I, I think of a use case, like you have a, you want a summary on like the top of a blog post that's in video format. Maybe you could outsource that, right? Yes. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned covers that do well uh, in video, do you have any examples uh, specifically for SaaS? I mean, I have a couple ones like Slidebean, um, okay, which which are, are doing really well, and they have a very unique strategy there. Another one that I can think of is Lemlist. They 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 did quite you know a couple of interesting things lately with a kind of mini documentary. Um, but do you have any any other examples? Yeah, so I agree with you on the first one, Slide Bean. So I think that they've taken a very like a something that is ma like has mass appeal to the B two B world, and so I think that they're doing a great job uh, with that. Two others that come to mind: uh, Learn with Shopify. Learn with Shopify is Shopify's like educational channel, and they have run their channel very similar to the way that we we have done it from the beginning. Um, but they've done it at a higher scale, I think. So they have more videos than us, and I think they get more more monthly views than we do. Um, but much broader topics. Uh, another one, and this is probably one of my favorites. It's not that I even watch it, but I just like what they've done with, in terms of strategy. Is Adobe Creative Cloud? So, yeah, their their videos are they're not interesting to me because I'm not interested in design or anything like that, but all of their content and this, I feel like it could only work because they have so many customers, right? Like everyone uses Photoshop, like even the people who aren't paying for it, like have some like old cracked version of Photoshop and everyone knows what it is. Like everyone knows what it does. And so when you watch these like videos of, of them doing workshops, um, like, Adobe After Effects and like removing someone or creating, like working with a green screen, like all these things that like this whole creator economy is interested in, it's naturally being, bringing people into their ecosystem. And I feel like they don't really have that many competitors, despite the fact that there are like in video, like outside of Adobe's, like, you know, Adobe Premiere Pro, uh, Adobe After Effects, there's tools like Final Cut Pro, like, which is only for Mac. Um, Sony, there's a Sony one too. I don't know if that even exists anymore, but nobody talks about them really because Adobe has just taken over. And in terms of video on Creative Cloud, they've scaled it like crazy. And I think, I don't know the way that they do it, but I'm guessing a lot of it is just UGC. And they have these like little workshops that teach people how to use their products better. And there's just so much mass appeal and interest in their products because everyone uses it. So I think that they're doing it really, really well. Another example I can think of uh, is uh, Paddle, Paddle Studios. They announced Paddle Studios, I don't know, a month ago or a couple of months ago, which is basically 
in the, the integration of ProfitWell's media arm into right. Paddle. And they have, like, even from the beginning, you can see that, like, several of the videos that they, they, they've been publishing are quite interesting, right? So they break down pricing strategies yes. and, and, and so on and so forth. So this is something that I found very interesting uh, regarding video. Is it, do you feel that there is something beyond that? Something that like Ahrefs may be missing right now in terms of video? And like going back to the uh, Paddle Studios slash ProfitWell example, I said ProfitWell used to have, I don't know, like two or three different series of uh, one of them was like they were breaking down pricing strategies, right? Um, like a soul or, or of, of that sort. Um, you recently started doing some more things in the, in the community um, with uh, this never happened, uh, which is kind of a you know video based like uh, content uh, play. Uh, but do you think there is more out there instead of just creating product led? Uh, focused uh, con uh, like videos on YouTube? Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like we haven't quite cracked the nut there yet. It's something that we've explored. Uh, even some of our topics that are kind of leaning towards like a halfway between opinion editorial kind of content and tutorial. So for example, uh, I made a video called something like Will AI Tools uh, End SEO? Or something like that. And this is at the time when everyone on Twitter was like, haha, SEOs, you're going to lose your job tomorrow. And, you know, when I saw that, I was just like, you know, this fear mongering that we see a lot on social media, it's like, I'm not the type to usually put up predictions or like opinions like that are away from facts. But I was like, let's try it and see what happens. And overall, like those videos perform pretty well. Like, I think one of the ChatGPT use cases video that I, Publish has like, I don't know, 120, 300, I don't know, something, several hundreds of thousands of views uh, that will AI tools kill SEO. I think that had like 32,000 views or something in like three weeks, which is a lot for our channel. Um, and there's still like minor exposure to our tools. Like, you know what Ahrefs does if you watch that video. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. Like, I feel like we just need to explore and just kind of try different things. And we have some things that are planned. Uh, but I also feel like there's that element of business value of where is your time best spent? So is my time best spent creating another keyword research tutorial or reaching a mass audience that may not even be interested in our product? Have you tried uh, YouTube sorts? I saw an interesting case an, an interesting sort by Omnisent yesterday, as we were doing research for the episode we have with their director of uh, content and creative. And um, I mean, it's a, it's a different approach, but have you done anything with sorts or like, do you plan to do anything with sorts? Yeah, so we plan to, um, in terms of the execution, it's tricky. There's, there's a lot of thoughts that I've, I've been thinking about this like since shorts came out uh, or since TikTok, basically. I've been thinking about the, the short form videos. I have never once contemplated whether I should dance uh, to anything there, nothing like that. And, you know, the thought of creating bite-sized, like SEO tip number one, do this. I have mixed feelings about that. 
And so at this point, I've just, I've passed the project on to somebody else within our video team that I think will do a better job than I can. And I just said, hey, let's just try it and see what happens. And so we'll see when that comes. Uh, I think shorts work well with with interviews when you have a lot of content. So um, if you want to, if if the guest or the host like drops a knowledge bomb that's quick and easy, sometimes that can work uh, real quick as, as pulling it out. But if you're pulling from straight tutorials, it's tough because scripts, they're rarely written so that it'll fit nicely as a simple cut in a short, right? Um, and so basically like the people that I know who are doing shorts well, they actually have shorts recording days. So they'll go and they'll record for three hours and they'll just record shorts like all day. And they're the content is specifically created for shorts. And I feel like that does better because you cut through a lot of the fluff and the noise and you just get straight to the point of what people want. That's a very good point. And we may do a short, you know, based on that knowledge bomb. Can I ask you, can I ask you uh, regarding, I guess, taking a step back, uh, I would like to ask about the, the strategy and how you approach video strategy at AHS. I mean, what do you decide what will, you know, get in the in the calendar in some cases i understand that you have to talk about trends and events like chat gpt and ai and and so on but in general is it that you follow the lead of the blog you you know do your own stuff or there is some overlap and like we have to t- like create a video for some of the blog posts um talk us a bit about your strategy yeah so the blog and, and youtube channel are completely separate um we're not connected in any way whatsoever. Well, other than the fact that it's the same company, but like, it's not like, oh, like, because you created this blog post, I have to make a, a complimentary video. Like, we don't do that at all. Um, our strategy has changed a lot and it's just evolved a lot based on where we were and where we are today. So in the beginning, a lot of that was keyword focused product led content, how to do keyword research, how to do broken link building, whatever it is all these SEO topics. We needed to make sure that they're covered and that we're actually ranking. And we are ranking. Like it's tough to be in the SEO industry, search for something in SEO, whether you're looking in Google or YouTube and to not see my face there somewhere. Um, so we've mission accomplished. And through that, we build a natural uh, trend of traffic because it, like YouTube search, I guess it's this way for people watching, but yeah. So like we naturally build consistent traffic and because the videos are like, we'll call them good enough, um, it earns subscribers. I can't remember what the exact percentage was, but we earn like a decent, like a decent percentage of new viewers who watch our videos, subscribe to our channel. Um, and so that continues to happen and it's slow. And people always say to avoid YouTube, like YouTube SEO, because it's just slow. You need to go for like, you know, clickbaity suggested stuff. But at least for SaaS, from my experience, I would recommend time and time again is cover all the search stuff. Be everywhere when these people are searching for it. And when they're searching for it, they're more likely to convert anyway, right? Because they have a, like the intent is very clear. Um, so that was our, our, the beginning. We went search traffic and we went like this and t- until the point, like our, if you look at our YouTube search traffic, like organic search, it's just like this. No, it's just flat because we've already covered everything and we barely cover anything else. And we rank for everything more or less. Uh, now that we have 400,000 plus subscribers, which doesn't really mean that much in the end of things, but we have... 400,000 people who have said like, yes, I'm interested in t- to know more like SEO content from you. Um, 
the strategy is a little bit different in the sense that it's more interest-based. So rather than like targeting how to do keyword research again, it, even if it was the exact same tutorial, the way that I approach the title would be very different and the way that I approach the scripting would be very different. It would be based more on interest. So based on a very specific problem in keyword research, for example. Um, like we don't do clickbait. And if we did, yeah, we'd probably get a lot more more views. But yeah, we don't do that. But now in terms of what makes it into the calendar, a lot of it is just common sense. And it's just like, uh, I guess I'm spoiled in that sense that now I can just look at it and be like, yeah, I don't really like the topic. Uh, I don't really have an interesting angle to go with this one. I'm just repeating myself. I don't want to do that. Or if I'm like, hey, like, I'm going to throw this opinion and now I have a voice because people will be interested to listen to what we as a brand have to say. Um, then, yeah, like oftentimes if it's something new, we'll, we'll put it out at the same time. If there's like, we just published a video on uh, winning featured snippets. Nothing revolutionary there, but we hadn't covered it before and now it's covered. And so, um, yeah, a lot of it just comes down to, to feel at this point, but in the beginning, a lot of it was like, have we covered this topic? Cause we should be. Yeah. I mean, I guess you did what you have to do to like get this, this traffic and get subscribers. And now that you have the audience, as I see it, you can broadcast, right? Like you can, you yeah. can publish things that may not necessarily be tied back to it, like search volume or like keyword or anything like that. Um, one thing I would like to to discuss though is how do you see what you do in terms of video change in like, you're doing this for five years now, uh, more or less. How do you see video marketing at AHS change in the next five years? Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we're going to figure out different formats that are going to resonate with our audience. And I think I think I already know the general direction of it, um, but yeah, I, I guess you'll probably see more series from us in whatever that shape or form that takes. Um, we'll still cover tutorials, and that's like our bread and butter. Like it works well, and people enjoy them. People get value from them, and it drives customers, helps with retention. I would assume uh, because people are watching them, they're learning how to use our tools. But I can see maybe. Um, I guess, infotainment, I guess you might see a little bit of that. Um, I'm not much of an entertainer. I'm not that interesting, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to create some series that'll be interesting for for the general audience, whether they learn from us, whether they learn from guests, or whatever that looks like. Can I ask you uh, regarding localization? The other day we did a webinar with Superpath and I used Ahrefs YouTube channel and blog, of course, as a, as a great example uh, when it comes to localization. And you have dedicated channels for some like languages slash like audiences. Uh, for example, you have one for um, where, where the content is in German, in Russian, in and in a couple other languages, Japanese, I think, and, and so on. Um, can you speak a bit about that? I mean, how? Um, what was the reasoning behind creating dedicated channels? Um, and what does the process of localization look like? And of course, whether or not it's worth the investment and like time and energy spent into localizing these these videos. 
So this kind of touches on on the topic of outsourcing that you mentioned before. And so I'll try, yeah, I'll explain how things went. So I don't remember exactly how it started. I think it was actually Tim's idea to dub uh, the content. And we had somebody who was managing multiple different translators. So we needed a translator to translate the content into whatever language. And then we needed voiceover artists to be able to do that. And then I think we hired different agencies, different freelancers. Like we went through a lot of different things. And so the main purpose of it was for accessibility is naturally not everyone in the world speaks or understands English, but there's still a lot of people still doing Google SEO. And so uh, we thought that it would like it's low effort because it doesn't require any of our internal resources. So now we're outsourcing. Um, and yeah, there's just like huge markets, especially in Spanish speaking countries uh, like Latin America, there's Spain, there's others like tons of people who speak Spanish all around the world. Um, yeah, and s certain untapped markets as well are what we thought might be untapped markets. But we did not get the traction that we wanted. And I think it's partially because it's like the, the idea of of publish and pray. Like we've all heard that before. When you when you just hit the publish button, because just because you translated it doesn't mean you're going to get a whole bunch of traffic to it. Uh, you still need to promote it and you still need to actually care about what you're actually publishing so that you actually want to promote it. Um, and so I feel like because we outsourced it, nobody really cared that much about the success of those channels. And so, you know, if a translator left or something, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll deal with that later. Not important now. We got to work on this first. Um, and because, yeah, because nobody was really owned that channel properly, we didn't see great success. Although, you know, it's not like we had awful success or anything like that, but like the translations were fine, but like localization was not perfect. Like, for example, if we did it in, um, in Spanish, we weren't translating currencies. For example, if we, we wanted to do that, our screenshots were all still in English. Our screencasts were all still in English. Like nothing was like, it was a haphazard job that we did. Um, and so, yeah, it didn't succeed, wasn't a top priority. And so we actually abandoned those channels. You spoke in the beginning about, you know, like getting exposed and like getting your face and yourself out there. Do you ever get uh, negative attacks and how do you deal with those like negative comments and so on? Negative comments? Definitely. Like there's always going to be those people. Um, I like to think that I have pretty thick skin. And so for me, I don't think there's ever been a comment where like, I feel like it really impacted me personally. Um, like most of the negative comments are like, you're just trying to sell stuff like, or oh, that was a 13 minute tutorial. Or, that was a 13 minute sales pitch. And I'm like, thanks. Like, <laughs> cool. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like you didn't have to watch for 13 minutes, but I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't feel a need to prove myself to anyone or to to respond to them. And I don't read all the comments anymore. Like we're at a stage uh, now where we get enough comments that I, I can't keep up with everything. And so we have people that go in and regularly respond uh, to these people who are not attached to the content because they're not creating it. They're not editing it, but they're going strictly for comments. And so, yeah, I, I don't really have to deal with, with stuff. There, there were some that were like, objectively like very rude i don't care 
Like they can say whatever they want. It doesn't impact who I am. That's right. Uh, second to last question I have for you. Google recently announced major changes in search with the introduction of uh, SGE, uh, Search Generative Experience. And of course, you you mentioned earlier, there was a time when, and I, I don't know if that was before the announcements or after, uh, but there was a time on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, where everyone was kind of um, hoping that the world will, will not end tomorrow for SEOs at least. My question is, are you concerned about the impact of these changes on what Ahrefs and as an extension the search industry does? Not really. Uh, I, I'm curious. Um, it is disruptive technology. Like nobody can deny that large language models or like artificial intelligence today is like absolutely game changing. Like nobody can deny that. Uh, but the way that I see it is like, is that these AI models, they need content to be trained on, right? Somebody has to provide that training material and naturally search is going to change. Like the same thing happened when people talked about voice search, the same thing happened when people talked about featured snippets saying, oh, like Google's just stealing all your traffic. But like naturally what happened, we voice search was like a big nothing burger. And then, uh, with, with, um, featured snippets, SEOs just started optimizing for them. Uh, so what's going to happen now? We're probably going to start optimizing for uh, for conversational like searches, and nobody knows really what's going to happen. So I don't see a point in worrying or or overreacting at this point, or you know like thinking like, oh like can I become a carpenter now? Like you know I'm not going to go that far. It's literally just like, all right, this is interesting. So I'm very curious to see what happens, and naturally as a as a search software. Like we want to be able to provide the data that people need. And so we'll see what that looks like uh, as these changes are implemented. It's still in beta. So I don't think, uh, yeah, there's anything to worry about at this point. And I think that's a great way to wrap things up. Um, last question I have for you, where can people find out more and get in touch with you um, if they'd like to? Uh, Twitter, Sam SGO. And on YouTube, you can just search for Ahrefs. That's great. Sam, this was very insightful. Thank you very much for um, you know getting on on this call and uh, doing this, knowing how busy you are. Thank you for having me. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part. You can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.